runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 138 with guests Samit Benzal and Chris Featherstone, recorded Monday, November 30th, 2009. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. You're listening to Run As Radio. With me, as always, my co-host, Greg Hughes. As always, my friend. Oh, things are good. If it's the fall, you know, the weather's bad. Good time to stay inside, listen to a podcast. Yeah, that works pretty good. Yeah. I know it's been, uh, we've certainly had our share of very, very wet, cool weather here. Yeah, you'd think it was winter time or something. Or something, yeah. All right. Hey, I've got a really exciting show coming up here, and I'm, I know you're looking forward to it as well. So yeah, let's get yeah. straight to our guests here. We've got two on the line here, Samit Binsal and Chris Featherstone, both from Fusion IO. Uh, Samit is the uh, principal solutions architect, and Samit is responsible for designing architectural solutions that use the Fusion IO product as core technology to deliver unprecedented levels of scalability, performance, and simplicity. And Samit brings more than 11 years of IT and database infrastructure experience to the position. And Chris is the product marketing and senior PM at Fusion IO as well. He's heavily involved in the product marketing team focused around next generation software products offered by Fusion IO. Uh, guys, we'll talk further into that, but the topic today is the solid state storage revolution because things are going nuts. There's an awful lot of questions I know I have around solid state, <laughs> solid state storage. It, with a lot of people we talk to, they seem to be a matter of uh, when as a matter of if. Well, and, and these days it just seems like everybody's buying a laptop with an SSD in it. And so I feel like the workstations are done. They're using SSDs. They work. The real debate here is are SSDs ready for the enterprise? So absolutely. Absolutely. No question about that. Um, you know, we... Uh, we are getting a lot of a uh, lot of interest, a lot of clients, and you know how it starts is uh, companies call us. They say, "Look, we are having severe performance problems. Can you help?" And we say, "All right. Why don't you try it out?" We send them the product. They try, and their jaws drops by six inches. Um, you know, they are amazed at what this technology is doing for them, and uh, you know we can't we can't keep up. We can't keep up with how much demand there is for something like this. So, so let's talk about what we're talking what, what we're talking about. I guess so what what is solid state storage? What for the for the uninitiated and uninformed? What is the technology? Right. In, in very simplest terms, it is storage. So it is persistent storage. But the core difference is that there are no moving parts, there are no spinning platters, and there are no moving heads. So, given that. Um, the idea, the whole idea behind this, this kind of storage is to provide a very high performance, both in terms of reads and writes. Um, if you look at a spinning disk, um, because of the way it works, because of the, because of the platter, because of the platter and spinning and the moving head design, um, it is limited. It has limitations which are physical and they're mostly governed by Newton's law. The, the platter can only spin so fast because if it spins faster than that, then um, it will have quality issues. 
having an SSD-based storage um, overcomes some of those issues. Uh, so the whole idea is for performance, and um, th there are there are many there are many ways in which uh, companies are offering this kind of a product. Um, primarily, uh, you know, th there are there are products where uh, which work on the SaaS, SATA, or fiber channel interface, and and then there are companies that are providing uh, SSD that work on the PCIe interface. Um, and obviously, uh, these interfaces uh, they determine how um, how fast um, or what kind of low latency uh, this kind of technology provides. Right. Now you you mentioned that you know, Newton's law and some of the limitations on drives moving parts they can break. One one of the things that I know I hear over and over again about SSD technology is you can only do so many reads and writes, but more specifically, so many writes before it just won't work anymore. Is that true, or is that false, or is it somewhere in between? Uh, yes, it's so. So those kind of limitations are true, but that is true as applied to the native native components of an SSD, which is the NAND flash itself. Okay. So NAND flash by itself, um, it's a commodity. It's a commodity piece. And, and, um, one can only write so much to it. However, if you look at SSD products in general, they are more than just NAND flash. It's, uh, the idea behind it is to collect a lot of these NAND flash chips together, uh, on a piece of, on a piece of hardware and to put infrastructure around it, to put controllers, to put software, uh, to circumvent some of those issues. Um, so the idea is if you know that NAND flash or certain pixels on NAND flash can only be written for so much. Um, what can, what, what is done is, um, uh, writes are distributed. So the idea is to make sure that you, when data is written to, to a bank of these NAND flash, it's not written, um, it's not written consistently to the same location and, and the, and the writes are uh, distributed in such an even way that you get a much longer life. Uh, just to give you an example, just by means of um, implementing the right kind of algorithms and, and infrastructure, um, it is possible. Um, and this is—I'll just give you an example of one of the Fusion I/O drives. It's our 160 gigabyte uh, SLC product. This is to speak in terms of its endurance. It, if one writes 2.5 terabytes of data every day, it is expected to last for 19 years. Well, you're not going to get 19 years out of an average hard drive anyway. I'll be lucky if I get three years out of a hard drive. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so the idea is that yes, NAND flash, you know, it being it, it being a commodity, it has its flaws, and that's that's what makes the value proposition so strong. Is because we take this thing, we take this core piece which has flaws, but then we we build on it. You know, we, we build on it by other hardware components and software components, and ultimately we deliver a product which which really has a very high business value proposition. You know, I had a netbook with an early SSD drive in it that uh, is really kind of a cool idea, but it was so slow. And I'm what I'm hearing you say is that you know what you build around this technology is probably what might control whether you know it performs well or doesn't perform well. It seemed like at least early on there was a trade-off. You either got size. Or you got speed. Well, that, and once again, you know, those are really design issues. Those are implementation issues, and we have really gotten around all of them. So we really give you the best of both worlds. We give you high density, 
so in other words, um, on, on a, we, we can provide a single card that has 640 gigabytes of storage capacity on it. And at, on top of that, you know, we can provide very high performance. For example, the 640 gigabyte card that we have has the ability to move more than 1.2 gigabytes. That is gigabytes, not gigabits. It can move more than 1.2 gigabytes per second. That's the kind of throughput we are talking about. Uh, in the beginning, I talked about implementation uh, and specifically the interface implementation. You see, what happens today is most of the SSD technology that you see in laptops or even for server market, uh, it's based on the more traditional SAS, SATA, or fiber channel interfaces. Right. The problem with these interfaces is that uh, it increases latency because there is a lot of work that needs to be done uh, to, to translate these protocols. Um, our product, Fusion IO drives, they work on PCIe interface. The benefit of this is that it sits very close to the CPU. Uh, there is very high bandwidth on the PCIe slots in a server, and it doesn't have to go through any of those translations. And as a result, we provide microsecond level latency. All of our products, uh, they have anywhere between 40 microsecond to 70 microsecond latencies. Obviously, in the workstation environment, we're seeing the SATA interface being the way to go just because everybody's already got one. And uh, in a traditional hard drive, the performance just hasn't been that big of a deal of the latency there. I think most people get the benefits of uh, transfer rate more than anything with SSDs. They're just 10 times faster than regular drives. Are they they're really 10 times faster? It, it, depend, it depends on the SSDs again. Yeah, and um, and you know again, it depends on whether the SSDs are for for workstations or for the servers. If you look at just the commodity hardware, what what's the variation of just the commodity parts of it in terms of speed and size and capacity, and 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 uh, is there really a big variety there, or is it all sort of close to the same? Well, I you know I think you know NAND flash is NAND flash. You know, there's SLC and MLC based, right? And then I think the key is is when you get into so obviously that's a lot of the commodity that's sitting on the on the boards themselves. The key is then when you start to look at what interfaces they sit behind, right? If they have a, a physical controller or a software controller, which we have, uh-huh. that's when you get into some of the uh, the key latency as well as throughput and performance issues because we're really not sitting behind anything because we're sitting directly in the PCIe bus. Just by virtue of that one thing, because we're not behind, again, another physical controller like a SATA or SAS or even a fiber channel controller, we can increase the speed that much more. And this gets back to this whole thing of regular drives have the, a millisecond, a few milliseconds of latency. So the latency of the interface isn't a big deal when you're dealing with a drive. But once you get down to this NAND speed, the latency of the interface matters. Sure. But still, I think that seek times are so good on these things that just seems to me like the interface is not that big a deal, that it's the transfer rate that most people notice for performance on these drives. So so what happens is, again, it all depends on the application. Right. Uh, and, and different kinds of applications have different kinds of requirements. If you, if you take any storage medium, and if you try to define its performance profile, you know, you, you can define its performance profile based on a few factors. One is IOPS, input, its ability for input-output operations per second. One is throughput how much data it can move per second. And the third one is latency. And they all play a role depending on what kind of environment it is. 
So, for example, if you take an enterprise database database environment and say this is this happens to be an e-commerce environment, it's driving a website, then you can kind of assume that it's an OLTP or online transaction processing based environment. So, there, by definition, the kind of transactions that you expect are small, small transactions, small read-write transactions, but in large quantity, in large volume. When that happens, then the factors or the, the, the metrics of this performance profile that we created earlier, the two factors that matter most are the latency and the IOPS. Okay. See, latency is important because, because I mean, what is latency, right? It's the, it's the time taken for data movement from your storage medium to the processor. And, and especially when you, when you, when you, um, when you're talking about an improvement of, say, millisecond scale to microsecond scale, that shows that that comes up, especially when your transaction count is high. Sure. When I look at the typical IT guy who's already running an infrastructure of spinning media, lots of it, I got to think he wants to be able to to just swap out to say, can I take these drives out and install them, uh, say, in an external chassis and just put SSDs in there instead? And I'm thinking particularly stuff like clustered servers uh, around an iSCSI array. Seems to me these things just drop in and are going to work. I guess the, the biggest concern here is, are we, you know, the performance they're getting out of SSD comes from RAID within the SSD, and then we're layering on this additional RAID infrastructure. Are we just beating these drives unnecessarily? No, not necessarily. And and I think that model is valid. Uh, the the issue, however, is you have to realize what is what our SSD is giving you. See, if if you put SSDs in a chassis, then uh, you, you can very easily end up in a situation where your bottleneck becomes the connecting the connectivity between your chassis and your server. Because because the because if if you say put uh, let's take ten if you put ten um, SSD disk SSD drives uh, in a chassis, it is possible that by raiding them you might be getting throughput um, and IOPS so high that you can't actually make use of it. Because you can't move that much data through the wire to your server. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, though, to actually be transferring at those kinds of rates. Well, absolutely. And again, there are many companies that are working on solving just that. Uh, I mean, one simple concept is data compression. If you know that you have, you can move certain amount of data. Uh, there are companies out there there today that are trying to figure out how to compress and decompress data on the fly on both ends. Are there certain no-brainer, just, I mean, obvious applications where using this technology yields great big, huge results that you see every single time? Absolutely. Uh, databases. I mean, it, I just can't tell you enough um, how easy it is to improve the performance of a system by three times, four times, five times. And to do it is literally so easy. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all you have to do is you, you open up your box, and if you are using SAS data-based SSDs, then obviously you most likely already have the drive base to accept them. Um, if you are using PCIe-based SSDs, then you need to have PCIe slots. But right. it's really that simple as that. You pop open your tin box, you put these disks in, and you just repoint your databases to, to put all of their, all of their data files um, and log files on, on this media. And immediately you can you can realize 
this huge improvement. I mean, can you imagine the cost? Um, like, you know, you go, you, you go to any business and, and if they, if they have an objective of improving their performance by, by, say, double, they just want to double their performance, it will be hugely expensive to do that, um, say, using traditional means today, uh, which is, or, you know, which is adding more spindles and adding more trays to their SAN um, infrastructure. Right. That really takes me to my, the, my other question, which is, from a cost perspective, What's the delta? What's the difference in a cost if I have a you know a terabyte of hard drive spinning based storage versus solid state storage? Just uh, if you sort of think of it in industry terms. If the only metric that you look at is dollars, then yes, <coughs> the, the the hard drives or the uh, or the spinning media will will be uh, much fewer dollars than than say something like SSD. If I'm looking at in terms of dollars per throughput unit or dollars per you know other the other components that you're talking about you know the speed I understand that that's going to be a different figure though right exactly and when it comes to dollars per throughput or dollars per performance then that's where SSD shine sure uh, in fact if you if you go to the TPC website uh, you can actually find if you um, if you look at the top ten uh, by price performance uh, you will actually see that uh, the top the toppers are actually tests um, done by uh, done done by some server vendor and some SSD vendor. I think one thing too to keep in mind, especially with cost, since we're looking at it, obviously SSDs could be perceived as expensive if if it's just a price per gigabyte type of scenario. Whereas, like we've been talking with price per performance and or you know overall TCO especially when you look at the amount of, of uh, operating costs you can reduce in terms of cooling as well as in terms of, uh, you know, the number of electricity, you know, that's involved in running, you know, let's say a spindle. What is the difference in power consumption? That's a, I hadn't thought about that as a primary factor, but what, what does it mean in terms of cooling and in terms of power? So if you think, if you look at, uh, at, at, you know, the price, you almost go price per performance per kilowatt, right, would be kind of the, the natural measurement. Sure. And, you know, we're almost, you know, 2300 times um less than a standard you know than a standard hard drive i mean it's it's you know in terms of uh, the amount of kilowatts that we can that we can run over let's say you know if you're going to deliver a th- 100,000 iops on a 15,000 rpm drive you know it's going to be about about 2000 times more in terms of kilowatts per year than one of our drives per se one of our ssd drives so obviously from a cooling perspective it's going to be a big difference as well i mean i know i deal Absolutely. with data centers where you know you can't get more power from the power grid in any given physical location to put more stuff in the data center between a ho- cooling perspective and a how much power is available perspective there's empty floor space right mhm Correct. So it, it, from what I'm hearing you say is that this is one option to try to find a way to, A, increase performance, and, B, be able to get better density in your data center. Absolutely. I mean, IT administrators you know, are going to see the, the biggest bang for the buck because we know that they're feeling a ton of pressure to reduce costs, reduce you know, server footprints while increase performance. And, you know, how do you do that? You know, I'm sure a lot of them are scratching their heads. Well, you know, Technologies like these with, with solid-state storage are ways that that can actually become a reality very quickly because of, of what they provide. 
and I was going to go down the path here that the SSDs don't have the capacity of spinning media, so you end up with more of them. But that's just not true anymore. It, when you talk Correct. about when I think about 15k drives, I think the biggest I can get is about a 320, and that's still a, 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 a two and a half or a three and a half inch form factor, and I can get a two and a half inch 512 gig SSD. I, you know the, yep. the the big thing that I still don't get the feel of here is that. When I put drives into an enterprise infrastructure, I buy enterprise class drives with five year warranties, 100% duty cycle. Like there's a, dis- and I've seen the difference between the drive I buy that's of that caliber compared to a workstation drive. Cause I know an enterprise class drive spins and works full bore 24 hours a day. It's in an array and it's being hammered. And I don't see that distinction in the SSD world. It just doesn't seem to me like they've been doing the same things with, uh, they've been making that distinction with SSDs. So, so with SSDs, there are just different kinds of things that, that one needs to be aware of. Um, so I, I spoke about longevity, um, originally. Um, there is a huge difference between, um, say, you know, how much, how much a, um, an OCZ drive, uh, is expected to last versus, say, how much an Intel drive is expected to last. Right versus how much, say, a Fusion I.O. drive is expected to last. So longevity is very important. Um, you know, what are the mechanisms uh, implemented to make sure that your data data is safe right. on, on your SSD? Uh, there is a huge difference between how, how different vendors are implementing uh, protections. Uh, what happens when there is a sudden power out, outage? You know, do your, do your in-flight transactions get persisted, persisted to your media? Um, and again, there is, there is, there is, there are different technologies out there and, and there is a huge difference in how much, how much effort companies are making to make sure the data doesn't get corrupted or, or stays protected. And, and so, so it's, it's tricky. A lot of, a lot of these issues have, have not been, they don't, they don't, they're not very apparent when, when people talk about spinning drives or spinning media. Because people have just gotten so used to them. Yeah. I mean, that has been there for so long now. But, but this is such a, this is a different kind of storage. And so, um, th- there are many, many points of uh, differentiation which are not apparent on surface. Because what is the first thing that people do when they get their hands on SSD? They, they, <laughs> they install it and then they run some basic disk bench, disk benchmarking. You know, how right. fast is it reading? How fast is it writing? But how many people actually go to the trouble of putting the disk in, um, running a load, and then say plug, pulling the cord out. Yeah, and I remember doing this in the '80s with databases, where every you know we're trying to prove the fact that the moment it says the transaction's complete, even if you yank the power plug out, when the machine comes back up, that transaction is there. And we got bitten by this with RAID controllers that had uh, uh, caches on them, where they needed to have battery backup and so forth. So if you did lose power, it was able to to recover properly from it. Thank goodness that NAND is non-volatile. Yeah. And so if it's written, it's written. And that's all there is to that. I think one of the, th- the other key things, too, is, I mean, you, it's just like, you know, with uh, with spinning with mechanical drives. You take a mechanical drive and then you obviously, you know, per vendor is going to put their secret sauce, if you will, on top of that to make it their key differentiator and their value add. Right. And I think that's going to be, that's one thing to keep in mind, especially with the way that, you know, since NAND is a commodity out there, everybody can get it, everybody can utilize it. That's going to be the key differentiator is what we provide over our next competitor to provide that value out to the IT administrators for things that Samit was talking about, like, you know, in case of data, data loss or power loss or things like that. 
that's going to be the absolute key, especially going back to the original point of, you know, how, how am I going to have that, those types of guarantees that I can get today with mechanical disc? I think the, the other aspect of familiarity here is that IT folks are used to the failure modes of spinning hard drives. We've got smart, we've got these technologies that let us know, hey, you know, you're starting to lose sectors on this drive. This drive is heading towards a failure. Get it out now. What does SSD yep. failure look like? How does it die? One of the things that, uh, that that we do for for those uh, types of cases is that we will basically, as the drive, because we talked about the endurance and the wear leveling and things, sure. we know we can set those thresholds to actually then throw up, let's say, for, for uh, an SNMP trap or a WMI event to say, hey, this uh, this drive is getting close to, you know, to its end of life. Uh, go ahead and... and um, you know, replace it. So we have actually, an, as part of the software on the, the the hardware itself, that will give the ability to look in, peer, see the wear, have those in, that information and those statistics, and be able to bubble them up to, a, let's say, a monitoring environment. Okay, and, and but you don't go down the smart route, which would be make it more like a regular hard drive. You're using SNMP, like I said, different ways to communicate out the fact that I know where my wear is on this drive. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually at a lower level. Obviously, when we put our our technology in the systems, they come up as a block device. Right. So you know, again, whatever file system or whatever you know operating system would look at as a as a block device. But as we get in lower into in, in the lower levels of of the firmware and and the drivers, we can give that that information up and bubble that information up. Yeah, and you just get a sense that people get can get comfortable with. I know when this drive's going to fail because every drive yep. fails. And, and can anticipate and, and move things along like that. Uh, and I, I recently saw OCZ announcing a one terabyte, uh, SSD. So the size thing seems to be about done. So, yeah. So on, on, so on that point, you know, one thing that I do want to point out is size is important and we do believe that high density is important. But again, um, you know, consumers should, sh- should take the time to dissect the product. That they are getting into. Yes. You know, if if they are getting one terabyte of storage, they should know what is inside that. Um, you know, how are they accomplishing the one terabyte um, storage capacity? For example, there are vendors out there, and no names. Um, and essentially, what they're doing is they're taking, uh, say, four or five uh, distinct uh, SSD modules. And you know what? These may be actually SAS or SAS modules, but they are packaging them together on one physical enclosure, um, and and you know they're they're putting their own controller, their own RAM, their own even even a processor, uh, some small microprocessor, and they're covering it up in a package, and it, and and then they're sort of building a PCIe uh, plug on it. So it looks like a PCIe-based storage, but it really isn't. It's it's very deceptive. The, the, but 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 more than that, it it can be very unreliable. If, you know, if if you are simply taking four commodity SSDs and physically packaging them in one enclosure, then you are actually introducing a component which has a very high chance of failure. Yeah, I understand. Well, and I think this is part of the challenge that folks are having with SSDs in general. Is there's been a few different approaches to this. Uh, some are less expensive, some are more expensive, and it's hard to know the ones you can really count on. I'm in the early days, when I mean early days, I mean like last year, it was hard to find an SSD with a warranty longer than a year 
But now we're starting to see three-year and five-year warranties on these SSDs. So folks are starting to believe enough to, to, to warrant their product for long durations. Uh, but the uh, priced accordingly too, right? The expensive SSDs seem to be the ones with the long warranties and the higher reliabilities. Yep, there is parity there. Absolutely. Yeah, it, se- it seems to be pretty consistent there. So in terms of, we, we certainly, I think, have beaten our on, the, on latency a fair bit here. The fact that when we go to these simpler, you know, closer interfaces like PCIe, we get really low latency. But what do you see that is real in transfer rates? Well, what's our, what is an actual physical transfer rate that people can believe in? I know I've gotten hard drives in ideal conditions up to the 100 megabyte per, per second range. But in reality, 40 and 50 is real. Mm-hmm. So what's real in an SSD? Are you talking about, uh, like, is it general? Are you talking about workstation SSDs or server SSDs? I mean, I guess I'm interested in the difference there. Like, why would they be different in terms of transfer rate? What are the ranges that they tend to fall into? I will start with the enterprise SSDs. Okay. And it's, it's very, it's very easy to get rates of over 700 megabytes per second. And what's more is one can actually get a rate higher than that if you take multiple SSDs and you just rate them together. Um, and it's real. It's very real. Um, and then obviously when you, when you drop down and when you go to the workstation, workstation kind of SSD, again, you know, data rates of um, 200 to 300 megabytes per second, they're, they're very real, very tangible. And do you find that that speed decays over time? That as the driver rate ages, the, uh, the transfer rate declines? It does, but the rate of decline also depends on the vendor and a specific IP that the vendor has developed around it. Um, so for some instances, uh, the, the decay or the rate of decay is more than 50%. Uh, so as time goes on, as the, as the drive starts filling up, uh, or maybe the drive is 50% full, there are some products out there where they, they drop in performance by more than 50%. Um, and then again, Something like uh, that's where that's where we have put a lot of our effort, and we have the right algorithms and software uh, software magic in place to ensure that uh, performance is more or less consistent. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Fusion IO because I ran across an article in har- Hardware about uh, you doing exactly this, where they took an array of uh, Intel X twenty fives, which I think are the benchmark SSD in the SATA form factor out there. And, and compared them against uh, one of your Fusion I/O products. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, right. So it's a it's a it's a good test. And the thing that, you know, so so the thing to consider here is, um, and I think the question goes back to to density again. If you have if you have two options to get the same density by getting, uh, say, one card. Um, and it doesn't have to be a Fusion IO card, but it can be any SSD card. Right. Versus, say you can get the same capacity by rating uh, multiple cards. Which is a better option? By design, the the one card option is a better better choice because you have less components. Uh, you have less components in your architecture. Therefore, you have less comp- less points of failure. Uh, also. 
you have to consider that when you are rating uh, multiple SSDs, do you need a physical rate controller to do that? Because if you do, then you have to know that you will have a bottleneck because the physical rate controller itself, then it doesn't matter how fast your SSDs are, but your, your, your controller will, and I believe the, the, the bottleneck there is 300 megabytes per second. Right. For, for the physical controllers. So, so, you know, you, you, you're already bottlenecking yourself. You are kind of using a technology to, to try to fulfill the promise of high performance. But you can't, you don't have a lot of room to grow. Well, and 300 megabytes per second was awesome when you were using spinning media because you never hit that limit. But now we're finally dealing with drives that are doing 600, 700, 800 megabytes per second. And so the RAID infrastructure is now the limiting factor. Correct. Correct. And, and, and as time goes on, I'm sure the RAID controllers will improve themselves in design and they will try to remove that bottleneck. But for now, if one can implement SSDs, Without having to use a physical rate controller, then that's when you're truly realizing the benefit of SSDs. And this really gets back to, I think, one of the points you made early on here, which is that this is a totally different way of handling storage. And so the infrastructure for spinning media is inappropriate. It's obsolete, essentially. I, I think so. I think so. Uh, I'll just give an example. So we, uh, Wine.com uh, is one of our premier, premier customers. And they used to have NetApp SAN. That's what they were using to run uh, their uh, primary database systems. Right. It has been completely eliminated by Fusion IO. Uh, the last time I checked, their SANs were still sitting empty. Uh, probably, probably they're using it to store uh, MP3s, if anything. <laughs> That's an expensive MP3 store. Businesses have been for far too long used to. They have just been used to using the SANs. Because there wasn't anything better. You know, when they wanted performance, all right, add more trays, add more spindles. Right. That was the mantra. But no more because, because, because now there is a much more scalable and, um, and, uh, much more easy to manage solution. I think one, two, one, thing to keep in mind as well is especially with the storage because there's really two areas right here where we're talking using this for storage and then using this for you know upfront local attached you know storage for applications or, or things like that but when you get into the storage you really relegate those different tiers from general from your general purpose now you kind of push tier three back to straight archival and really almost eliminate tier three because now you have solid state disk up in front. You can then, you know, move your tiers up. And now we've, uh, we've basically, you know, maybe it's, maybe it should be, um, storage area archive instead of storage area network or, or something like but, that. You know, you're where, almost reflecting the CPU architecture where DRAM wasn't fast enough. So we had these layers of cache coupled closely to the CPU for that really, really high performance. Yeah. I mean, the, the honest truth here looking at this, this story in hot hardware was it was a 160 gig IO drive they were using and it was unbelievably smoking fast. But if I had 10 terabytes of, of total archive storage I need. That's an awful lot of IO drives. I'm going to run out of PCIe bus at some point. So keep what's actually use it like almost like a, a non-volatile cache that the stuff yeah. that I'm working on right now is in that fast, fast, fast environment and other stuff is being pushed back to the, the, uh, the SAM. Right. I, I, we believe that it'll fundamentally change the way that applications are built, the way that 
storage is looked at because this really is a new memory tier for storage for applications to utilize because of the blazing performance, because of the reduction in cost, because of all those key elements of providing a really, really great, you know, great hardware for a lot of the infrastructure out there. Samit, Chris, uh, this is fascinating technologies. I really appreciate your time coming to talk to us a bit about it. It's our pleasure, and uh, look forward to uh, you know some of the great things that we can do with these technologies. It's exciting, and I, I think the most part is just like when we went from Corba to Com and Java and things like that. It's just you know to a, a managed environment. It's just really, really refreshing technology. Cool. All right, and we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. 